You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders, here to talk some golf on a Tuesday night, or for any of you who might be uh, watching or listening on our podcast feed after the fact, anytime before the golf rosters lock on Thursday morning. Fairly important golf tournament this week. I can't remember the exact name of it off the top of my head, but we'll try to get there uh, as we go throughout the show. Maybe I'll remember what we've got going on this week. But of course, I am Justin Van Zuden. I will be hosting the show. STL Cardinals 84 is my daily fantasy handle. We are super excited, of course, to be doing the show for the Masters. First major of the year, and it's only been five months since the last Masters. Um, but nobody is complaining. So bring in my two co-hosts. Lots to get here, uh, to get to here as we go through the program. So we won't waste any time. Bring in Mr. Tambo on one side. How you doing today, Tambo? I'm doing good, man. Don't uh don't leave the elf in the room, though. You're coming off a pretty good week. So I want to talk about you because you're Mr. Humble Guy. You'll never bring it up. I was joking with you before the show that you had a nice little win at the Valero Texas Open. We had a, a pretty good week there. We were sweating it out in the old RG slack together. And the three of us there just you know rooting you on. And you just didn't waste it all. I teased you before the show, but you even skipped the podium. You took a fourth. You're saving it all for Masters Week. But uh, yeah, it was a fun week. Jordan Spieth is back. You you called that one. First time you played him in forever for ages. And now you go and take down some, some good coin with that. So how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Always nice to get a little bankroll boost the week before a major. You can, you can donate a little bit more of it back. And Noto says, you know, he, he said before he likes donating to charity. Sometimes you do that. So after a big win, you, you give a little more back, but you know, the funny story is usually I sweat my lineups pretty good on Sunday. Um, frankly, I thought I was pretty dead. You know, I, that lineup was in like, 215th going into Sunday. Um, you know, my first couple guys shot like even or one under or something, but then all of a sudden I like refreshed it and I saw I was in like 15th place. Uh, and I think Lucas Glover went like birdie, birdie Eagle on the back. And then, uh, uh, Chris Kirk had made some birdies. So he was up into the top 10 and those two guys were both really low owned. I mean, of course I had Spieth and, and Hoffman along with a lot of people, but uh, it was really Glover and Kirk making runs there on Sunday that made the difference. And uh, yeah, super happy with fourth place. And it was uh, a fun sweat there in the $15 on DraftKings. And I didn't spend my whole Sunday fretting over it. It was only like the last hour and a half or two hours. So uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good and uh, happy to, happy to hit one first one in a while. Yeah, it's nice. We'll bring in Noto as well. Uh, Noto had a little bit of a bad beat in the uh, qualifier for uh, the 44-44 last week, which we were 
uh, rooting him on in uh, way too many missed putts on Sunday from his golfers and a brutal miscut from Harold Varner. So uh, Noto, sorry about the bad beat there. Uh, how was your week otherwise? Yeah, pretty terrible week. Uh, we can't all be winners, but uh, congrats to you, Justin. That was awesome uh, seeing you, you know, get that high of a finish. Uh, yeah, a little frustrating for me. Missed out on the queue. Just needed, uh, I had two golfers. He had one. Uh, I needed all pars or one of my guys to birdie and his guy birdied and mine did not. So uh, that's all right. Um, we're, you know, buying into uh, Justin's queue a little bit this week in the 444. So I'm excited for that to sweat with you. Um, and I'm looking forward to Masters Week. I mean, there's nothing like it. Um, we get it once a year. It comes and goes so fast. And uh, the buildup, uh, it's always better than any other tournament of the year. So I can't wait. Been watching the live from the Masters as much as I can throughout the week. So uh, I'm pumped. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Obviously, we can uh, spend plenty of time previewing uh, the, the tournament. Uh, would be remiss if we didn't at least take a quick look back at last week. Obviously, the big story, Jordan Spieth's jordan spieth's first win in multiple years and uh, obviously the media kind of ate that up on uh, on sunday and you know we talked about it the last few weeks he just has looked like a different player and uh, and in texas at home got a crowd back and playing with confidence and you can tell and it was just a, a fantastic performance from him and hoffman played great i mean hoffman shot what 75 i think in the first round uh, and then was fantastic after that and spieth was able to hold him off and uh, finally kind of get over that hurdle that uh, that had been, you know, plaguing him when he was taking those Sunday leads here so far this year. So kudos to him on the W and Hoffman on a really good week. And uh, a few other players played really well, too. It was a, a fun tournament despite the uh, relatively weak field there. So, uh, Tambo, any other takeaways from last week's event for you? No, it's good to see. Like we talked about in the past enough, probably, but Jordan speed back is always a good thing. I love it, especially for the hype. You know, we you know to just talk about being pumped for the masters. I think we all are. That's the thing. And now you've got that storyline, which we'll run into here when we get into the preview, but Doug Gim losing six strokes or whatever it was on Sunday, that one pretty much sucked for any of my lineups. So I know as far as DFS goes, that was a tough week in that aspect. And then, uh, you know, Hoffman just doing his thing to try and get in. He needed to win to get in. And then all the first round leader jokes, would have been relevant, but uh, he didn't get in. So unfortunate for him, but I saw a number. I believe he's made over $4 million now at the Valero Texas Open. And he's a champion one time, but that's how well he does there. And like you said, to bounce back from that Thursday and put together that Friday, Saturday, Sunday is something special. Shout out to Ricky Fowler. Tried to do his thing. Got to get his name in on the show because, you know, he was uh, a good play last week, I thought. And it just didn't quite pan out in the end, but looked like he gained a little bit of confidence back. So it'll be interesting to watch him going forward after that event. Yeah, I was joking with you that uh, when he made the cut, he was on his way to his usual T-59 or whatever. And uh, I think he bogeyed his first two holes or two of his first three holes on Saturday. And I thought, oh, there he, there he goes. But uh, played really well after that and uh, ended up uh, getting his best finish in a while. So it uh, was a fun event and uh, normally maybe spend a little bit more time looking back at it. But uh, it's Masters week and there's tons of stuff for us to get to. So we'll go ahead and uh, forge ahead to uh, to this tournament. But uh, Noto, anything else uh, you want to add before we do that? Shout out to Brand Snedeker and Gary Woodland. Haven't seen them in the top 10 for a while. Uh, that was nice to see. And I was going to ask you, Justin, do you have Matt Wallace in your lineup? I did not uh, so, have Matt Wallace. So I was listening to Tambo's show uh, with Kenny, and he was saying uh, if Wallace would have birdied that last hole, he would have got the birdie streak. He would have got the all four under 70 streak, and then obviously uh, got the birdie points too. So that would have been uh, Yeah, I think I would have had three guys pass me if Wallace would have birdied the last hole. So 
um, it was ironic that like I had Spieth and Hoffman and they, their, their finishing out was irrelevant. It was just what Wallace was going to do. So uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was not disappointed that he parred that last hole. <laughs> and you hated on a par five to end out too. Cause you're just like, how does he not at least make birdie here with the week he's had, but sure enough, uh, not to be seen. And you'd got the fourth place, I believe because of it, 20,000. And I saw you a couple other places. We did the Monday review show. You were kicking around with a few dollars left and right. So that's a good week. Like you said, heading into the masters here. Yeah, I think I finished fifth in the five dollar um, two, which was all right. I mean, same lineup. So, uh, and and somebody actually tweeted me and said they had the same lineup as me in the five dollar, which matched because I saw that we had tied. Uh, but then in the fifteen dollar, they entered it, but they had they used Gim instead of Glover in the fifteen dollar. So uh, that person, you know, had fallen down the leaderboard a little bit on the in the fifteen. So. <laughs> That's always uh, always a problem. You're always, uh, you know, when you look back and, oh, my lineup would have done this in this tournament. It's uh, it's easy to kick yourself when you look back and, and think of things like that. But uh, still a pretty solid week all around and uh, saw a lot of uh, tweets and things flying around there on, on Sunday night that uh, seems like a lot of Team RG had a really good week last week at the Valero. So hopefully we can keep that going and maybe get somebody to ship uh, a Millie this week, which I believe there are three Millie makers on DraftKings, which you never see ever in any sport. So yeah, DFS golf continues to grow. And uh, if you want a shot at a million, uh, you can do it at any price point. There's $10, $100 and the old 44, 44, if you're uh, going to be high rolling it this week and uh, plenty of, GPPs in between if you don't want to chase the uh, the top heavy millie makers. So uh, obviously everybody knows kind of about Augusta, but uh, tradition we always have Noto do a little brief uh, look at the course. So uh, Noto, why don't you tell the people about Augusta? Yeah, at this point we all pretty much know Augusta par seventy two, four par fives, all reachable with a pretty good drive. Uh, number three is a par four, a short one uh, that some of the golfers can drive. We see, we saw Bryson last year drive it over the green. Typically, guys are like 30 yards short with a nice little pitch. Um, and you're going to have a lot of drivers this week. Um, the rough here is like a um, the fairway to local municipal course, really short, really easy to hit out of. The fairways are easy to hit. They're wide. Um, so you're going to see a lot of golfers hit a lot of drivers, uh, which to me uh, means you're going to have to you know, give a big weight to strokes gained off the tee. If you're looking at distance or accuracy, you definitely want distance over accuracy this week. Um, and then you're going to have to be good with your irons. Um, it sounds like the course is going to be a lot firmer and faster than we saw in November. So um, it sounds like you're just going to not be able to attack the pins as much. Uh, you're going to want to hit in the right spots in the green rather than, you know, being aggressive and taking some of the lines. So it'll be interesting to me to see if uh, the golfers that played well in November, um, the ones that played it for the first time, um, if they're going to be able to adapt to the different conditions. We can talk about that when we get there. Um, and then course history, obviously course experience is going to play a big role here. Um, you got to know the slopes and the undulations and where to miss. Um, you talk, a lot of golfers talk about, you know, having to know where to miss, um, in order to get up and down if you do miss. So, uh, I'm going to be looking at around the green and, uh, you know, you're going to have to putt well, but these greens are so different than what we see, you know, I had an average PGA tour event that I don't think looking at just raw strokes game putting makes all that much sense because, uh, again, course history matters more than most. There's no green books this week. So the golfers are going to have to read the greens by themselves rather than, you know, having all of the, the lines given to them um, on the green book. And uh, obviously going to have to avoid bogeys, make birdies, um, take advantage of the par fives. That's pretty much the formula for success here. I agree. It should, should play firmer and faster and probably not quite as easy 
uh, on the whole is what we saw back in November when uh, it was you know pretty easy to hold the greens and uh, and they weren't quite as firm and fast as what we generally see in April. Though there is a potential forecast for rain, um, so if you know if they get a lot of rain, maybe that softens it up a little bit, but uh, otherwise should play more difficult uh, this time around, I would think. So, Tambo, your thoughts to uh, add in there. Uh, main thing for me in, in majors, especially and in this one, which I'm sure we'll go through, obviously, you know, lesser field, all that. We'll talk about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy I got Noto on this with, with me this week for tomorrow night's show. We'll go through some of the roster construction stuff then. That's a premium feature, premium show. But uh, as far as just, you know, the Masters goes with less people involved and that can really actually do anything, I actually do focus more on long term result, like stats, results, things like that, because I think it just matters so much more. Everyone wants to play in the now. We're going to talk about some of the ownerships that we're seeing on lineup HQ right now and who people are playing. And not only does the long-term stats matter more to me, but typically that means they have more experience here, which this is an experience type course. Not too many people show up first time or first couple times and do much. So uh, I'm big on that when it comes to the masters over any other major. Yeah, that feels like a pretty universal opinion. Uh, you don't you know, a lot of things you see quite a bit of dissent on, uh, but there's really no data to back up, you know, saying that that first timers can do just as well here. I mean, I think it's been, you know, 42 years since the first timers won the masters and it's just, it's difficult uh, in, in, you know, the, basically the way the course plays and like Noto mentioned, needing to know where to miss it's, it's just tough without a lot of that experience. So um, Noto, how, how do you handle kind of the first time uh, players in terms of your GPP builds? You know, if you're multi entering, are you just going to X them all out? Are you going to be more selective about who you might take? as a first timer, I mean, there's some first timers, uh, that, you know, are, are, are pretty good golfers, you know, somebody like Zalatoris and, you know, who's maybe played here at, in when he was in college or something like that. Like, how do you handle the first timers in multi-entry builds? Yeah, when it comes to betting, I'm not going to be betting any of them. Obviously I don't think the winner is going to come, uh, from a first timer, like you mentioned, 42 years since Fuzzy Zeller won it as a first timer, but I mean, there's a lot of guys that show up that are good golfers that play it for the first time and post top 20 finishes, top 10 finishes. So uh, if the price is right, I certainly don't mind playing uh, a guy like Will Zalatoris. Um, but for me, uh, you definitely do want experience, but um, at the same time, you're getting a price discount, you're getting an ownership discount. So uh, there may be one or two that I uh, end up keeping in the player pool. All right. So let's go ahead and start digging in. And uh, we normally just start at the top and go, you know, go from there. And I'm just going to deviate from that just slightly um, because I I think it makes sense to start by talking about speed because the pricing came out for this event, you know, prior to last week, Um, DFS pricing generally kind of goes off of Vegas odds and speed was more into that 20, 20, 22 to one, you know, 18 to one range to, to win the masters. Uh, then obviously last week happens, you know, that Spieth is a very public uh, bet golfer. And so now, you know, he's setting up to where he could go off as maybe the second favorite uh, by the time the Masters tees off on Thursday. And game theory or not, there's no doubt that in some of these GPPs, Spieth is still going to be really chalky. I mean, he is the ninth most expensive golfer on the board. If you're playing on Yahoo, there are 25 golfers priced ahead of Jordan Spieth this week um you know it's just anybody who is just a golf casual golf fan throwing some entries in for the masters i mean people are going to play speed we've got him right there as the highest owned guy on the board you know somewhere between 25 and 30 percent 
you're going to see a lot of speed ownership here. Yes, some people will get off due to game theory, but you're going to see speed ownership. So, uh, Noto, I know you have him tagged up. Uh, how do you handle speed uh, if you're just looking at, you know, single entry or cash games versus uh, GPP multi-entry? Yeah, for me, um, if you're going to play him uh, in MME, you're definitely going to have to get a, a high exposure to him if you want to be overweight on the field. Uh, but I was thinking about it. And at the Players' Championship, I mean, I made so many decisions just based on ownership. And then Thursday came around and so many of the ownership projections weren't off, weren't what I thought they would be anyway. Uh, and then I was just like, why didn't I just play the guys I liked? Um, so that's what I'm going to do this week. And uh, I really like Spieth. I think uh, he's an obvious cash game uh, option because, like you mentioned, his uh, outright odds are like the second or third best in the field. And, you know, he's the 10th, 11th most expensive golfer on FanDuel and DraftKings. But uh, for me, look, you got the course history. Um, I was planning on playing him before his win last week, so I wasn't really cheering for him to win because uh, I didn't have a lot of exposure to him. But Second in the field in approach over the last 24 rounds. We know he knows these greens better than anyone. Um, and after he won, it wasn't like an emotional, like letdown or emotional ease. He was always already talking about masters, already talking about keeping it going. Um, they said today um, on the par five, he hit it to like 20 feet. And then uh, Greller put down a little putter cover from 89 yards and said, oh, practice your wedge shot from here. And he hit the wedge, he hit the little putter cover. So, I mean, he is locked in right now uh short game magic everything's just lining up for it i know he's got some demons at this course after what happened at the 12th hole a few years back but uh for me i'm going to be overweight i certainly understand wanting to be underweight it's probably the smart move but uh personally i'm, I'm going overweight my concern is that at some point there's going to be there's going to be a level of burnout i know it's the masters and you're going to be going off adrenaline but Spieth has played eight of the last 10 weeks and he made it four matches at the match play, which was four, you know, four matches in four days. Um, so, you know, that's another week. And then, you know, a win is first win in so long, all the interviews are going to be asking about it. And then there's the master's narratives. And I, I don't know, I just worry a little bit about fatigue and he's going to be so popular uh, because he feels so underpriced that, I get it. The ownership projections can be wrong from time to time, but I, I really don't think it's going to be here. Um, when I, oh, yeah, he'll, he'll be popular. I'm not yeah, saying that. Yeah. And when I tweeted on Sunday, I said that my guess for the $10 million maker was 33.4. We've got him at 28.6. I think he's probably going to end up in that 30 range. Um, and you know, I got back on him last week and just from a game theory perspective this week, I, I'm not trying to tell you he's not going to play well, certainly has a chance to win. Uh, this is more of just a hedge on ownership and I'll play the other guys around him instead, but I'm not going to fight anybody. Obviously the way he's playing right now that wants to play him, but I am not playing him this week in GPPs. Uh, wouldn't argue against playing him in, in any format though, if, uh, if you're inclined to do that. So Tambo, you're the tiebreaker on speed here. Yeah, I'm on, I'm under like the bigger thing for me is just, I I'm with you. So I'm with Noto on the sense of the ownerships are oftentimes off and we'll talk about it when we do get back to the top of the guys that in, you know, in the five figure range where then it's kind of just play who you like, because what are you doing over 2% here? That's just pointless to go back and forth on. I do think speed will be at 30. It's just really hard for me to get to that number. I'm not in love with him this week. I, I like, can't like, I like Reed. I like Fina. I like other guys around him that I will play here still. So I just can't do it. And, and I'm playing 150 lineups and something like the $10. So if I've got 20% speed, I'm, I'm unfortunately, I'm still 10% under the field but I've got 30 speed lineups and I do the Monday review show every week here on Roto Grinders and look at what people are putting in. And a lot of people are just chucking 20 lineups in 
And so even if they're all in on speed, I've got 30 combinations at 20% speed that I'm putting together. I don't have a feeling that it's just a, a runaway for speed. It's still the masters, all those, you know, fatigue factors and things that you brought up cards to me are standout enough that I don't feel like I need to be all in on this guy. I think it's fine, but I'll, I'll just have probably 30 lineups out of the 150 with him. Yeah. Part of that is me uh, praying that that's what happens, but uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see what, how it unfolds. And um, part of the beauty of DFS is that I can sweat a guy that I faded just as much as the guys that I played. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, will be really interesting, but uh, obviously at that salary and the way he's playing right now, uh, Spieth is, is definitely worth the conversation. So let's work our way back up uh, to these other names at the top. Uh, obviously with the, the way the pricing works for the masters, it's a little bit loose. You'll like the way your lineups uh, look, you know, relatively speaking compared to some of these other events and you can fit in some names at the top. So uh, Tambo, I'll stick with you. I'll give you first crack at this uh, and we can really just go anywhere above Spieth. So for the top eight or so guys in the field, uh, is there somebody that you feel you're really looking to try to get overweight on and, or, or maybe a couple names that, you know, you're a little more nervous about? Yeah, it looks like I'll just naturally be overweight. I'll start with Rory because he's only showing up at 10%. I just like him. I, I don't, uh, he hasn't done much lately, but this is a course that he's definitely done some things at. even uh, discounting the November one, throwing it out. I mean, he was still doing stuff at that event. He just didn't have the best start. So I, I think Rory's a fine play at 10.2. Normally don't see him that cheap. Rom, obviously a standout play, you know, the, the worry for some, maybe his ownership even comes down a little when people hear that he's not showing up today until the course until tomorrow, or, or he might've shown up today, I guess it was, and then we'll see what he does from there. But uh, I don't know. It, these guys are all just around the same DJ definitely going to play some of him. Uh, you know, the fact he's showing up at 11% is just throwing me off. So DJ Rom Rory, JT and Bryson are right there. And I, I talked about them on the Monday show with Kenny that I did, you know, from a first look perspective, but it's hard not to like all of these guys. So you eventually just got to sort of pick your spots. It's the masters. You know, you're going to look for guys that you want to go all the way with. And, you know, for these guys, it has nothing really to do with the fact that their ownership is low uh, it's, or, or high in that perspective of a guy like JT. It's just, who, who do you like more? And I really like DJ Rom and Rory. I'm not going to, you know, say no to Bryson completely because I'm kind of giving up on this thing at any course with four par fives. And the way Bryson's got the all-around game, you know, I had it pegged at API. I don't feel that same way here or like I did at the U.S. Open with U-Cards, but you just got to think, it wasn't just the driver at API. It was the entire game. And, you know, some people talked about the green reading books and all these different factors of why he may or may not do well here. But at 10.8K, it's hard to discount him out as well. So just not my favorite. The other three would be. But those other two guys, Bryson, JT, and, and Xander even down there, it's hard not to think about them, but I'm in on the other three guys heavy. Yeah. Um, had the same thoughts on, on Bryson and, you know, he said it last year well, it was a par 67 for me. And, <laughs> and then he, he was terrible the first day and everybody was roasting him on social media, but, uh, and he didn't have a great finish, but, uh, you know, overall, but he played decent after that. I mean, you put a decent uh, first round in there and, and he would have been uh, maybe not right there, but would have been in the mix for a top 10. So, um, 
certainly the way he can smash the ball out there and and give himself some eagle looks uh, or maybe you know get close to driving the the short par four there you just never know so uh, do I think Bryson's the safest pick at the top no do I think he's got as much upside as anybody else sure I think he's a really fine tournament option uh, but again, it's hard not to, it's hard to dislike any of these guys. I mean, as usual, it's splitting hairs at the top and there's going to be guys that, you know, surprise and struggle. But uh, the other factor is we've only got what 87 golfers here and 50 in ties make the cut. Uh, and a lot of those 87 golfers are former champions or has-beens or, you know, it's just, you got maybe 10 guys that have no chance. So then you're down to about 77 golfers uh, with maybe 52 or 54 or 55 of them making the cut. Uh, you're going to see, in theory, a higher percentage of six to six lineups than usual, uh, you know, compared to usual, unless a lot of the chalk really flames out. Uh, so that's another factor, you know, when you're kind of uh, deciding how to build your lineups. Noto, your thoughts on the top range? Yeah, I think uh, at least one of us is going to have a good week because uh, JT and Bryson are my two favorites up here. Um, for me, I mean, they're just small things. Um, you know, DJ, it's really tough to defend at Augusta National. Um, he's obviously got the great course history, but uh, his form isn't that great. Uh, John Rom just had his new baby, so either a nappy factor or, you know, maybe he's getting some sleepless nights. You know, he went on the uh, podcast with Colton O saying, don't pick me this week. Um, I don't think I'm going to win, and I'll probably leave if, you know, my wife goes into labor. Obviously, that was before the baby came, but he had his expectations low even before heading into the week, so that worries me a little bit. Um, and then, you know, Rory, obviously the new swing coach, hasn't been hitting his wedges very well over the last few months. Uh, Xander coming in in poor form. So for me, give me Bryson. Um, I mean, he's competed at two courses that aren't really his strong suit. I mean, he won the API. Obviously, that's a, a little bit more of a bomber's track, but then uh, nearly won the players, which uh, he didn't even hit a lot of drivers that week. He's gained 9.3 strokes on approach in his last two events. And, you know, we've been talking about him as like a bomber putter type, but now the irons are turning around. So I do like Bryson. Then you have JT progressively better finishes here each of the last five years t4 here in 2020 so if that trend continues there's only you know so many places up he can go um and without tiger you know he says he's been talking to him so maybe tiger's in his ear uh, telling him a few secrets you know jt's talked about in the past when they played their practice rounds tiger's not telling him anything but maybe maybe uh with tiger you know not in the field this week uh, you know he's uh telling him a little something extra and uh, i do like the fact that he worked on that right to left ball flight at the players. I mean, he hit yeah. that uh, drive at the par five and then again on the 18th. Um, and you're going to need that left or right to left ball flight on a couple of these holes. So uh, Bryce and JT are my favorites, but uh, like you guys mentioned, it's hard to find anything wrong with any of them. I'll try to get sprinkles if I can. Um, but there's a couple up here that I don't know if are going to make my player pull or not. All right, Tambo, any follow-ups to that? Yeah, just a quick note. I mean, I, I think it's a little, you know, for MME especially, I just, it's it's kind of a tired narrative that we can't play them all. We talk about it all the time, but like just an example, DJ Spieth versus Rom X versus Bryson Rory. Th those are two V2s. So if you pick your four value plays and it lands on that money and you can go there, like I literally might just run those two V2s back to back to back because how are you telling me the difference between DJ Spieth Bryson Rory and Xander Rom, like it's any of those combinations could come to be together and be the difference maker. You just talked a second ago cards of one guy going Glover versus Gim, where he made that error in the fifteen dollar. It's one click. I'm I'm trying to substitute up here more than I am down low. So we'll get a little bit more certain as we go through these ranges, at least for me. But it's really hard. Love what Noto said, and I actually did love that about JT uh, coming into the week was that they the commentators brought up that he was working on that that ball flight. 
uh, you know, and that's that swing type at the players, which he went on to win monkey off his back, sort of a, a lot of stuff going on in his life personally. So don't hate that either. It's just, it, it is, it's more of, it's hard to play a lot of all. And you sort of have to make your choices on who you're going to be overweight on and go to bat with and sort of those other one-off lineups more than when you're just mixing and matching some of these guys at the top. Yeah. Great point. Uh, and it's, you know, there's always, there's the fear of missing out on a loaded field like this, no matter what you decide, uh, because you can't be overweight on everybody at the top or else you have a cheat code of salary cap. Uh, but uh, it's uh, part of what makes it fun as well. All right. Let's talk about kind of that next range of say Morikawa, Reed, Kepka coming off an of injury um, and only going to be about four or 5% owned. You know, you got Finau and Simpson there above 9K as well. Finau coming off a missed cut last week. His ownership may be a little bit lower than it otherwise would have been. Uh, that I think that has me on Team Finau this week. Uh, I think Tambo mentioned it earlier, just kind of in passing, but I, I like Cantlay as well. Same fact, uh, you know, same rationale. Uh, guys that are coming off of missed cuts that, you know, these guys are really good golfers. If people are going to be off Cantlay and they're going to be off Finau, uh, and I'm looking to get leverage away from Spieth, well, then play his neighbors, you know, play Cantlay, play Finau, um, you know, play Reed, whoever is your favorite. I, I like Cantlay, I like Finau. Um, you know, my lineups will show that this week, but uh, that's kind of my thoughts on on that uh, range kind of around Spieth. If you're looking to get different, then play the other guys around him that, that aren't going to be quite so popular. So, Noto, back to you. Yeah, absolute perfect scenario for Finau this week. Uh, coming in in bad form. Um, he's always struggled on Bermuda, always struggled in Florida. So I'll throw the, the miscut of the players out. Um, and then obviously missed the cut last week in Texas. I'm not too worried about it. I've been talking about, you know, Finau potentially winning the Masters for a couple months now. So I love the fact that he's coming in in poor, poor form just because he's going to be low owned. If he would have came in like T20 last week, uh, he'd be 20% plus maybe. Uh, we've seen him contend here, even with a uh, dislocated ankle. He's also got another top 10 the year before that. So I agree with you there. I also agree on Cantlay. Um, his match play result should have been a lot better. He actually led the field uh, tee to green, I believe, in the group stage and didn't make it out because uh, he ended up losing to Hideki. He ran into everybody that was just red hot um, in the group stage. Uh, so I like Cantlay quite a bit. He doesn't have a weakness in his game. Uh, I talked about speed. I'll be on him. I'm going to be fading Reed because I always do. I'm sure that'll burn me. Uh, Brooks Kepka, he's out there looking like a, like a power ranger. I don't know if you guys saw his tweet. Um, he's reading the greens with his leg sticking straight out because he can't bend it. Uh, so that looks kind of funny. Um, that just worries me a little bit. If he can't even bend the knee, it's got to be having a little bit of an effect on his swing. But um, I don't know if he just plays these things up. It seems like he always wants to be the underdog. Um, maybe I'm wrong there, but it just seems like he plays it up to be the underdog. Uh, I never want to count him out, but I don't think I'll play a ton of him. And then Morikawa, I think I'll be underweight on. It scares me, um, but I'm typically underweight on him, so I uh, might as well continue it. Yeah, if the greens are playing a little firmer and faster too, it'd be a little bit more of a challenge for him with the putter. But uh, I think I'm in lockstep with your thoughts on that. Uh, Tambo, anything else with those golfers kind of around 9K uh, that you want to bring up? A couple things. One, just the four guys that I like are Cantlay, Morikawa, Reed and Finau. And the reason is just to get getting more clarity as the week goes on. Uh, one of the things I want to note though, and again, Noto and I will go through this tomorrow night on the premium lineup HQ show, but at the players, if you recall, everybody wanted to just pepper this nine K range, myself included. It doesn't look like we'll have that scenario here at all. Everyone what we just went through and couldn't even pick a guy necessarily completely up top, or at least for myself where you want to play them all. So this range is pretty interesting. If you had like a Cantlay Reed Finau lineup or something like that, that's all guys that I think could win the tournament 
tournament and would just get away from some of those storylines at the top. And one we forgot, Rory and Rom, just a couple of dads, a couple of new dads going out together. They're in the same group with Mr. Xander Schauffele. So that'll be, you know, interesting to see how that plays out. The one thing I'll say on Morikawa here is just, he's, he's everything we've thought. He's shown us something different. So even if, you know, we all knew his talent was there, but if you didn't think he could do this, he went out and did it. He won the major first amongst them. He got his win early on. He just won a WGC. And we already know the issue with him is either the putter shows up or it doesn't. So in tournaments, I've got to play that. And I kind of like that he's just coming in at 9% because of that. So I'll, I'll definitely be overweight on him. And Finau, sort of the same reason Noto said, just we'll play him when he's 25 and 20, you know, 9% owned. How am I not going to play him in a tournament where he's actually done well in the past on half an ankle? at 11%. So just a, a play I already liked, and now you get them at even lower ownership. So I'm happy to round out the range with that. Sounds good. We do have a question in the chat, kind of a theory question we can touch on here quick uh, from DJ dog three K asking how much do you guys weigh projections in golf? I know in baseball, the volatility is high. So is golf like baseball in the sense where ownership means more than the projection and Noto, I know you have, uh, you know, your kind of model that you've built. So, um, you know, just, I guess, to boil down the question, how much do you in GPPs, how much do you trust your model versus questioning, you know, ownership on a player? Uh, I think it's a blended approach for me. Um, I definitely trust the model in the long run, but at the same time, uh, I like to trust my gut on a lot of plays too. Um, and there's a lot of guys that just don't rate out well, uh, for me in the model. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. You got to definitely weigh all the factors. Um, and it is a very, very volatile sport. I don't know if it's very as volatile as uh, baseball, but um, certainly up there. Tambo, anything to add on that? I just use Noto rating. I just, you know, the projections <laughs> for me, like I'll just move it around. And I, I use the projections more to, if they're going to affect what I'm trying to do in lineup HQ, again, why I love that show and why I love playing around with lineup HQ, because it gives us all the opportunity to do exactly what we want with our lineups, whether it's via groups or min max, like it's just the best tool in my opinion for PGA DFS had a, have had a lot of success with it. I know cards, you're heavy into it as well, doing shows even before I joined the Roto grinders team. So I, I think it's just the excellent tool for that. And I sometimes, like I said, I'll, Noto rating, it goes in with that. These are normally some mix or blend of his projections and stuff in there. So I mess around with them, but I'm focused on trying to get these golfers I'm talking about. And that comes from my own stuff and my own side of things that I'm going through here with you today. All right, let's move on into the 8K range. Now it's uh, obviously deeper than uh, than what you would usually expect, uh, particularly after the last couple of weeks of uh, weaker fields. And we've got guys that have had recent success like Westwood here. Uh, we've got the uh, young up and coming guys like Hovland and him and Scheffler, uh, the wild card, you know, Matsuyama, you got Berger in here. So plenty of good plays in the 8K range. Uh, Noto, I'll throw this one back to you first. Uh, who are you looking at in here? Uh, so my favorite plays at the very bottom. I like Matthew Fitzpatrick quite a bit. Um, he has added quite a bit of distance off the tee and he's actually gaining uh, quite a few strokes with his driver. Uh, which typically hasn't been the case. He's uh, historically been his best on longer tracks, on difficult tracks. Um, he's talked about, you know, liking fast and firm courses. Um, so I'll definitely have a lot of him. Doesn't look like he's going to be too popular. I think Daniel Berger's uh, popular, but for good reason. Um, he's one of those golfers that just gains strokes in all facets. Uh, the rib injury doesn't seem like it's bothering him that much. I mean, played well at the players, uh, played pretty well at the match play as well. I ended up losing in a playoff uh, in the group stage. 
And then uh, going up to the top, I will have some Lee Westwood. Um, I like a lot of chalk this week. And one way for me to differentiate a little bit is to play some Westwood. Um, I'm guessing, you know, he's going to be less than 5% owned. But he's made 12 straight cuts here, seven top 11s during that stretch. Um, we've seen the upside recently, and this might be like his last real chance to get a major. Um, so I know he's definitely overpriced, no doubt about it. Um, but with a lot of the other chalk that I do like, um, I think I'm going to have some Westwood. Uh, Hovland's a guy I'll be overweight on. Hasn't played here since he was an amateur, but he did make the cut. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, he's a ball striker. So he's going to uh, either give himself a lot of birdie looks or he's going to struggle around the greens, uh, similar to Morikawa. So I guess you could play those two together. And that's pretty much it for me. I'll have a little bit of Cam Smith. I'll be off of Scheffler, a little bit of Hideki. I'm going to be off of Sungjae and off of Hatton as well. Yeah, for reference to Noto's point, if you look on DraftKings right now, Westwood has the same odds to win as Joaquin Neiman, who's $1,400 cheaper uh, on uh, on DK there. So uh, now you can argue that that means Neiman's underpriced more than it does uh, Westwood being overpriced or some combination of both. But uh, again, you know, that's one way to get different, uh, to play a guy if you like him, even if he does feel overpriced. Uh, it's you know, if he, if Westwood wins or even top fives, it's irrelevant. So uh, you just got to have that guy in your lineup. So uh, Tambo, your thoughts on the 8K range? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take a different Englishman at the top there at similar ownership. 4% is Terrell Hatton. And I just think, you know, it's going to be him and another guy at 7.9K when we get down there that they haven't had the best majors record. They've done well in other places recently or in the last year, but uh, the talent is just too good for me to not try him again here. Like it's, uh, it's been a tough road or a tough path from here, but he's definitely seen the course. Some guys it take, just takes a little while longer to get back around, but he's one on tour in big fields, in strong fields at tough courses. So I'm going to play him. I love the Hovland call Noto just brought up. I think he's someone I'll definitely go back to Berger, probably the good chalk, if you will. Uh, I like Scheffler been playing some good golf coming in hot. I don't know if he's been playing too much golf, but uh, it still feels okay to me at this price. But the, the guys I like more are actually in between. So Noto and I are, off the, the same page there again, he's on Fitzpatrick. I like Cam Smith. Cam Smith is a couple percent higher owned. Don't really care too much about that. I'm just going to play the guy I like, but Cam Smith and then Hideki at 8.3K. This is, you know, last week didn't do anything special, but he's been playing okay and coming back again, talking about that long-term form, the course history, knowing the course, all of those things, finally getting him at like 9% when he's 8.3K. That just feels like an added bonus, almost like the Finau call up above so uh, that's sort of my guys in the 8k range there cards all right like it uh and he played pretty well last week for a few rounds a little uneven on the weekend but at least starting to show some uh some signs of of life there for hideki so uh but again more than what we usually see kind of in the 8k range for potential upside a lot of these guys wouldn't be surprised if you got a top five or top ten so i'm with tambo on atsuyama uh, I am with Noto on Fitzpatrick. I uh, like those guys. Those would be two of my favorites in that range. All right, let's go ahead then and move down to uh, to the 7K range. Uh, certainly, you know, we talk about Bubba Watson doing well on Bubba Tracks. This is a Bubba Track. Uh, uh, his odds have kind of cratered throughout the week. I was really surprised when we saw him originally at, you know, maybe 50 or so to one. Now he's down in that 80, 85 to one range and uh, I know that, you know, he's a little bit more inconsistent now, but uh, Bubba plays well here and we've got him at about four or 5% owned in DFS. So uh, Bubba's a guy I like this week as well. Don't know if I'd have the, 
uh, the guts to roll them in a single entry or super high dollar, you know, format. But uh, I think if a, you know, lower dollar Millie maker or something like that, Bubba is uh, certainly a guy that I would, I wouldn't mind playing some of this week. Uh, who are some of your guys' favorites in the kind of upper part of that 7K range? Looks like Paul Casey's going to be the chalk there. Uh, Tambo, I will let you have this first. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear. I didn't look at Noto's blurb yet. And I know Casey's probably another, you know, burger type play where he's just great. You know, he's too cheap for what he is, but uh, it reminds me a little bit of the Spieth play up above. Like, just really hard for me. He's not someone I'm gung-ho on. And I actually love a lot of the guys around him. I'm not as high on the low 7K range, so I'll use my time up here now. Sergio was the guy I brought up earlier. Again, his run of majors since winning the Masters has been pretty atrocious, to be honest, but his play lately has been solid. And at 12%, just an added bonus. Again, obviously knows the course very well, has done enough to win here in the past. At least we've also seen him put up, what was it, a 12 or something on that one hole that year and just ended early for us. So at least he makes it entertaining. You're either in or you're out, but uh, I'm in. You brought up Bubba. I'm surprised by the ownership there. Nobody wants to play him. Again, it's a Bubba, of course. We, we always talk about that saying. Uh, and then you know me with Louis O at majors. Uh, never going away from that at 7.5K. And I'm glad Noto got him tagged up because we've been in on that before and it's worked out quite well for us. Uh, we didn't talk about this a lot at the top, but I guess the bigger thing of the scoring this week, we mentioned it, but you know it's not going to likely to be a, a DJ minus 20 type week that we're about to see here. There's already been talks of crispy and firm and fast, as we mentioned a million times, almost as much as group of death was brought up at the WGC match play. So uh, we know it's going to be tough and Casey still fits that. So I'm not saying go off of him here, but like Adam Scott, Louis O, Bubba, Sergio, these guys to me are all the same guy. So if they're all going to be much lower owned, uh, I just probably can't get to 30% Casey or want to get overweight when I want to play these other guys around them. So Scott, Louis, and Sergio are my favorite three in there. All right. Noto, your takes on uh, Casey Chalk and what Tambo just mentioned there. So I haven't built my lineups yet, but I went through and did a preliminary cut to my player pool. And uh, I'm playing everyone from 7.3 Zalatoris up to 7.9. And then I'm fading everyone from English to 7K. So uh, I love the mid to upper 7K range. Uh, Tambo mentioned Sergio, one of the best tee to green golfers in the field. He's gained 15 strokes on approach in the last two events. Obviously had that walk-off hole-in-one, which was awesome in the playoff against uh, Lee Westwood, I think. Uh, Bubba Watson, you guys mentioned it, uh, loves Augusta. And uh, he should have won against Brian Harmon, but Harmon made seven straight birdies in their match in the match play. That was pretty crazy to watch. Casey, I'll eat the Casey chalk, plays well in majors, good course history, hasn't finished outside of the top 28 uh, in his last nine events. And uh, he has a win during that stretch as well. Adam Scott had his best ball striking in like two years, uh, his last time out. So he's interesting. He hasn't missed a cut here since 2009. And then uh, you always play Louie in majors. Um, that's just pretty simple. Uh, and Jason Day. I have a little bit of interest in Jason Day as well. All right. Noto's playing everybody in this range, literally. Yeah, it's hard not to. I am. It's really hard not to, yeah. And then you don't, don't – We you just only let them go that far, Cards. There's Answer and Neiman, more, yeah. who are both great plays there. It's pretty tough to – get away from those guys as well. I mean, it's hard for me to pick just one. I don't see any of us with tags there yet. Mine will go in tonight for conviction plays on the site, but cards, let me ask you in the same question for Noto, if you can only, you, you don't have to only pick one. I'm just curious if you have a lean on answer versus Neiman at the same price tag and very similar ownership. If you had to pick one. Uh, by Thursday morning, I'd imagine you're probably going to be rooting for Neiman a little bit more than you're going to be rooting. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be rooting for the others in that range would be my response to that. Okay. Uh, Noto. Noto, go to you. 
Uh, I like answer, but I'm going to be playing uh, a bunch of both. For me, answer, his recent form is uh, not as good as he's been playing uh, in terms of his results. Obviously played here in, in November. I'm not too uh, hyped up on that, but he's talked about uh, loving tricky greens and uh, loving, you know, having to play different shots around the greens. He says he hates courses where you have to just flop it up there. Um, so I think that's uh, at least a little bit interesting tidbit about answer. I like them both. I really do. And it's funny if you look at with the stuff that I look at, at least long-term it's answer, which is, is surprising to me still. Obviously Neiman's been great long-term as well, but short-term it's definitely Neiman. So it's kind of one of those, you want the short-term or the recent form, or do you want to go with the more long-term? I tend to lean long-term answer, but then you think about pure bent and you know where Neiman's had a success and that's really where it is. So I, I think they're both great plays and I wouldn't even mind playing the two of them together as those value plays. And then there's lots of options to mix up above that. So they're, they're not like 20% on plays or anything here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you're going wrong with either one either. Uh, I have landed on Neiman uh, who, you know, the one guy with limited course history here has played here before and then should have played in November, but uh, had the uh, unfortunate timing with a positive COVID test. So could not tee it up uh, back in November. Uh, and Noto kind of hinted at the, the rest of the seven K range kind of is a little ugly not much to love. You've got guys that are injured, banged up, not playing well. Looks like Max Homa is really the only other guy above 7K that's garnering any type of ownership. So uh, anybody have anything to add on any of the other 7K plus options? I think, Noto, you just said Zalatoris, right? Yeah, I'm on board with Zalatoris, uh, one of the better ball strikers in the field over the last six months. We saw him uh, top 10 at the U.S. Open at a course he never played. Yeah, And uh, apparently like one of his coaches is like the same guy that worked with Bryson for a while that just has like a specific game plan for every single event. So uh, I think that'll at least help him a little bit. Yeah. I heard there was some insider stuff on Zal Torres and, and this spot for him. So I'm definitely in on that. Uh, a couple guys below just to mention quick, but uh, Billy Horschel 7.2. Uh, I always like him. I'm a sucker for him, but you know, Kenny brought it up actually on the fantasy golf degenerates podcast. And it made a lot of sense to me for this reason, but he's a guy that gets hot. When he had his FedEx Cup run, and you know we saw that, that's way back. But he's feeling good. He's looking pretty good. I know match play is a totally different animal, but if again you go on long term, certainly a guy that sets up well here. I think he'd be good. And then going down, the only other interesting play I thought maybe cards. I'll get your thoughts on this because it does segue us. But with Corey Connors, Coke Rack, and those guys being so popular, any love for a guy like Shane Lowry? He actually doesn't really pop off the chart in any of my numbers and stuff. But if you just think about who he is and the type of golfer. And again, you think about the open, the fast and firmness, the good hands around the greens, putter, all that stuff. He really does set up well. And at 3% versus Connors at 21 and trending up, what are your thoughts on Shane Lowry to round out the range or anybody else down? Yeah. There? I mean, I, I don't, I don't love anybody else above seven K, but that's the interesting Connors is just the interesting kind of uh, pivot point there. Like, you know, with his ball striking and the way he's been playing and the 10th year in November, like everything just lines up for Connors to be kind of the guy there at 6,900. And, you know, we talk about potentially fading the, the, the cheap chalk at times, but boy, it's tough to pass on Connors at 6,900 bucks. So, um, you know, we, let's talk about him and then we can pivot to the other values, but Noda, what are you doing with Connors versus the others around him? Well, uh, I don't think he has like a, five times greater chance uh, to play better than a guy like Mark Leishman or Brian Armand. But at the same time, I, I will be playing a bunch of Connors. You mentioned it. Uh, he's one of the better ball strikers in the field. I think he's second in this field over the last 50 rounds uh, behind Dustin Johnson. So he, he's up there with Dustin Johnson. Uh, he's finally making a lot of putts. I think he's gained strokes putting over the last uh, 36 rounds. And uh, you mentioned the good course history, two for two here. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's been a top 25 machine over the last six months. It's hard not to like him. He is going to be popular. I think he'll be higher than the 18% that we have shown right now. Uh, I like pivoting to Connor or to Kokrak in some of the, the contests. I think uh, his miscut in November will help keep ownership at a reasonable level. Um, he's been putting really well, too, over the last uh, couple months, so he's interesting. Uh, and then, obviously, I'm going to play some Harmon. Uh, just continues to play well. He got the lefty narrative. Um, looked great at the match play. Looked great at the players. Um, he did have a T44 here in 2018. I know he's not a bomber, but he does hit a lot of fairways, so hopefully that will help him. A little bit, and if it is firm and fast, it does help some of the shorter guys a little bit. Uh, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on two guys, Siwoo Kim and Matt Kuchar. Um, one I'm definitely going to be in on. The other one I'm still uh, debating. All right, I'll throw it over to Tambo to talk about that in a second. Before I do, I want to give everybody a shot to play our guest the golfer game for this week. So it's a golfer that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, under 6,800 on DraftKings, so we haven't really gotten to that range yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, a sub 8% owned guy that uh, that we kind of like as a value play this week uh, that, uh, that that people aren't really talking about. So what is our consensus? Uh, we've got a little graphic and a free week of Roto-Grinders Premium for uh, somebody to check out uh, if, uh, if you guess the right golfer. So drop your guess in the YouTube chat uh, if you're watching us live. Who is the sub 6,800 golfer that we all kind of agree on this week? We'll let everybody take a guess or two at that, uh, and we'll see if we get a winner. So uh, that's our guess the golfer game for this week. Now, Tambo, your thoughts on those couple of guys that uh, Noto mentioned there? Well, he didn't give them out, so my thoughts are that he said who they were, but he didn't say which one was which. I'm guessing he's playing Kuchar and deciding on Siwoo because I'm playing Siwoo and deciding on Kuchar. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. Are you the same? Okay. That, that's what I was going to say. I, I don't know. Like Siwoo to me is just, uh, and I was, you know, in on him a couple, like a couple times recently where just, you know, the, the game plan, the numbers look too good and you know what you're getting. It's, you know, he either does or he doesn't, but I've actually liked him for this course. I remember betting him last year and it didn't work out or anything, obviously, but uh, you know, at 6.7 in, in these tournaments, especially these large field ones, I'm surprised he's showing up at 10%, but I don't really care about that at all. I do like him in this range. So I'm in on him. Uh, you brought up your boy Harmon earlier. I'm definitely in on Harmon. So I'll play some of him at 6.8. I like Kokrak. I had to look it up because I couldn't remember. I know he's technically an American golfer. He is American an American golfer, but he was born in Canada, North Bay, Ontario. And so if you everyone's on the Canadian Corey Connors, we could go with the born in Canada, Jason Kokrak, and basically the same thing at half the ownership. So uh, the the crispy and fast and firm does worry me quite a bit for Corey Connors. I know he has gained strokes putting, as you mentioned, in three of the last tournaments he's played in, and, and that's been the key to his success. But it does worry me a little bit, these, these greens, man. They, they're tricky. He's played it a couple times, but uh, it's going to be different than in November when he just got 10th. So, you know, that could throw him off some too. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, are we doing other guys down here too, Cards? I got a couple more, but... Fire away. Okay. I, I like uh, Ryan Palmer. 6,500. Any course we like Rom, we got to like Palmer, right? Uh, Lanto Griffin, Brendan Todd. These are just a couple other guys that stand out to me. Zach Johnson, maybe. So I don't want to name them all. Matt Wallace coming in with some good form. Kevin Na, but th there's some of the guys that I'll be thinking about mixing into my pool. All right, Noto, any other punts for you? Again, more guys down here than what you usually see under 7K. Uh, obviously, you don't want to go to the bottom, the very bottom. Uh, but uh, Noto, your thoughts on some punts. Yeah, definitely agree on Ryan Palmer. I'm surprised we only have him at 10% ownership right now. If that holds, uh, I think he's a great play. He hasn't missed a cut since September. 
Uh, he had a T33 his last time we played here in 2015. Uh, and he's another guy that uh, we typically think of as a ball striker, but he's been gaining some strokes on the green recently. Uh, I'll have a few shares of Lonto Griffin, a few shares of Robert McIntyre. Again, a bomber lefty. Um, he's never played here before. Um, so him and Zalator is probably going to be the two first timers that I end up playing. And then the other guys that I have in my player pool right now, Dylan Fratelli. Uh, we know he gained a lot of distance off the tee. Um, I don't love that he came here you know, fifth in here in November. I think that's a little misleading. Uh, maybe that'll help or hire his ownership, which I don't love, but um, I'll have some of him. And then Sebastian Munoz just is a guy that can gain strokes in all facets. And uh, I think he's interesting as well. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and round it out here with our, our last few options. Uh Congrats, by the way, to our winner of the contest. Second guess on the whole board. Uh, congrats to Matt Tomeno for guessing Lanto Griffin as the uh, value golfer of the week. Nicely done, Matt. Uh, impressive to uh, to get that on just the second guess we had on there. So uh, free week of RG Premium for you. Uh, Devin, our producer, will help hook you up and coordinate that uh, with you after the show. But uh, yeah, so Griffin is the guy and Noto and, and Tambo kind of both uh, mentioned him there and uh, reasonable punt play at, uh, at low ownership and uh, Ryan Palmer. I'm with you guys on him. He could have been uh, the choice as well, though. He'll probably be just a little bit more popular uh, than, uh, than Griffin will. So uh, Tambo, any follow-up to, uh, to some of Noto's plays there? I, I like them actually. Most of them are, are guys that are on my radar. You know, I forgot Munoz. Always like him. You just think I I joke that they said that Kucher was the smiling assassin. It's more like Munoz. He's always having a good time out there and doing his thing. And then I tease you a little before the show. I just you know Noto was late to to get in there. A few technical difficulties. I was asking cards so you or Noto can chime in here live. But what about Lefty? He he played well at the Honda and the players, and then he made sure he left Texas early to get out here, so he missed the cut and get on out and let's play. So what are, what are your thoughts on lefty here this week, Noto? I mean, look, there's a case to be made for him. I think he's had his best uh, ball striking run in the last couple of years. So I get it, but uh, he's not for me. Okay. And cards he's, you're out too. Right? He's going to be smelling the azaleas when he goes to pick his ball up out of them uh, <laughs> after a few of his drives. <laughs> okay. uh, who knows? He's a big game hunter. Maybe Phil will show up this week. So, um, you know, the one guy that nobody ever talks about at majors that I don't think we even mentioned Webb Simpson. I, this just hit me. Like, did we even say his name once? Well, we said above 9K and then we just dropped. Then we low. dropped down. So this isn't an indictment. Of, but this is kind of how people operate with majors. Like, it's it's just Webb. He's fine. Uh, like, I, I, I like him. Yeah, we did the same with Tommy Fleetwood. Maybe we should cover both of them. I guys. apologize. Yeah, I guess that's my uh, hole in my uh, theories there by going above 8K <laughs> and below, and we miss the guys that are right on the thresholds. So my apologies go out to Shane Lowry, who Tambo <laughs> did bring up, uh, Victor Perez, shout out to him, match play uh, played well, Francesco Molinari, there's your 7K guys, Fleetwood right at 8K, and Webb right at 9K. That missed my little threshold cutoffs there. So uh Anyway, I just felt like somebody might play it back and wonder, well, they didn't really talk about Webb. So thoughts on Webb or uh, anybody we maybe miss that you want to highlight before we get out of here? No, no. Yeah, I do like Webb as well. Glad you brought him up. Back-to-back uh, -back top tens here. It seems like he's figured this place out. And if it's going to be firm and fast um, and it's going to be, you know, a week where short game matters, uh, you got to like Webb Simpson. 
And I love him on the par fives with that little hybrid wood he hits. He's so good at it. Uh, hits it right where he wants to every time. And then Tommy Fleetwood, I will have some of him. Played well at the match play. He just always seems to shoot himself in the foot. I, no matter what tournament it is, uh, he's like right in the mix, and then he just makes a mistake. So uh, I don't think he's going to win, but uh, I do have some interest in Fleetwood. All right, Tambo, anything else that uh, we've overlooked that you want to make sure we get across here this week? No, I don't think so. That was uh, none of those guys were really high on my radar anyway. They all there's a case to be made for Webb Fleetwood, I guess, based on that. I, I brought up Lowry earlier just because I thought maybe as a, a Connors pivot there with, like I said, the the fast and firm, good hands around the greens can get hot with the putter. And a lot of guys speak pretty highly of Lowry too, not just the ability to drink as many beers as he does, but Brooks Kepka said things in the past like this is a guy that you don't want to mess. And Brooks himself didn't want to. He tried to mess with him and couldn't couldn't get there in the open fended off Brooks on his major run. So I like Lowry as the zero, as the triple zero play more than Fleetwood and, and Webb, but there is a case to be made more for Webb probably than the others. I just like Finau up there and then Hatton down below. All right. With that, it's uh, been an hour that has flown by and we'll go ahead and get on out of here. Best of luck in all your contests with the masters, everybody. Thanks as always to, uh, to all of you who watch us live and watch us after the fact, we appreciate it. Uh, and be sure to check out our uh, premium content. If you get a chance, lots of good stuff there. Uh, Tambo and Noto will be on with a lineup HQ breakdown show on Wednesday. We've got our, uh, you know, we've got our projected ownership, uh, all the lineup HQ tools and, uh, and lineup building tricks that uh, are super important in, uh, in tournaments like this. So check out Roto Grinders premium. We let you pick, uh, individual sports, or you can get the combo package. Great time for that with a whole bunch of sports going on right now. MLB, NBA, golf, you name it. Uh, lots of stuff to, uh, to look at on a daily basis. So as always, thanks for watching for Tambo and Noto and our producer, Devin. I am Justin. Good luck this week, everybody. And we hope you have a profitable masters. Take care.